This episode of Willits Pod is brought to you by ZeroSax.com. Because when Orlando Brown Jr. says to put it on a fucking t-shirt, you put it on a fucking t-shirt. That's ZeroSax.com, baby. That is the sound of a delicious, refreshing Arizona iced tea. Mm. The original with lemon flavor. Um, partly because it's delicious and I try to drink it every week because it keeps me nice and refreshed for Willits Pod, which is what this show is. Uh, the other reason is Arizona. This is not what I'm drinking because we're recording it uh, 9 o'clock at night. Um, Arizona also makes, and yeah, I'm still drinking the giant iced tea, but Arizona also makes $4.99 cents, not in a can this big, not in a 22 ouncer, but uh, more of the, it's a standard sized Red Bull can, but also Arizona energy drink, Arizona, jeez, uh, I should have researched this. Uh, it's in my opening of the show. We're one minute in and I'm already completely off, less than a minute in, I'm completely off track. <laughs> um, Arizona's got an energy drink. Um Better oh. than Red Bull. It's Fuck. good. Oh yeah. There's like oh, a oh my paper. god! I gotta that, find that. Yeah, that's dangerous information for me to have. Yeah. Now equipped with that information are Addie and Britt, and also Simon Crystal. <laughs> uh, we will. We will say. Uh, I'm. I'm from the internet. I'm Jesse, and Addie is here from the internet. She's first mm-hmm. in alphabetical order that way. So, uh, hi, Addie from the internet. How are you? Hello, I'm I'm good. Um, as I said before we started recording, I'm I'm watching Ken Burns baseball. So even though I'm here to talk F one, I'm I'm really in it, and I'm going to keep everyone appraised because this is going to take me more than one week, I think, <laughs> just to watch it. Uh, yes, boy, that's yes. that is Nothing a Ken Burns makes is not an undertaking. As a viewer, hello. <laughs> I will say I love falling asleep watching TV, and but it's a very particular type of thing I have to have on television to fall asleep. And Ken Burns baseball is really oh, doing the trick. <laughs> elite, elite for that. Um, I also <laughs> love Food Network just generally for that. Yeah, HGTV. Um, HGTV, perfect for that. Perfect for that. Um, Not so, perfect well, for that, however. Uh, dogs, which uh, Willow's here from the internet. Willow's got an Instagram. So, hi, Willow. How are you? She's um, she's got a bad attitude today because she went to the vet. <laughs> and that's Crystal from the internet. Uh, I was so there. sure she was going to bark back at Jesse. I was waiting for. I was. Her. I was, I was a little her. bit hopeful. And uh, and Britt from the internet last, but certainly not least. I did start going in alphabetical order, but then Willow. Uh, jumped in there so uh, hey, uh, hi, I mean, how are you ne- never work with kids or dogs right i mean we do that all the time so <laughs> i was gonna say we do both frequently so clearly yep. we're not gonna take that particular advice i have no children and a cat so i can't i really also guys. have a cat and the fact that he's not currently trying to step in my face is slightly miraculous yeah puffin has uh started to uh get a little bit he's he's coming up on a year old and he started to get a little bit uh well, let me see if i can knock things off this counter it's fun times <laughs> also, <laughs> also that willow yes thank you uh, 
So I'm okay. I'm actually uh I'm in I'm not in the driver's seat on this one. Hey. Uh, what? Here all week. Come on. Uh... Jesse, come on. But I don't even know what I said. You're not in the driver's seat for this one. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, enough of this chicanery. Um, there we go. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, just take We're it. off to a really good start. Arizona yes. iced tea. <laughs> drink of uh, itself and not this podcast because they don't pay us and uh, accept the money. We just want product. But again, Arizona, uh, really, you should give us a call because we're is cheap, the, uh, first of all. Is Arizona? <laughs> Arizona race team. Uh, so what What we've done here. Wait, 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 wait. I teased this before the show. I have one funny baseball topic. Can I do that now, oh. Jesse? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Please. Yes, okay. Yes, yes. It's so a as, baseball show. I think I As I mentioned, I'm watching Ken Burns baseball. And I just learned right before we began this podcast, I learned an amazing baseball history fact. And I want to share it with all of you and propose that we bring it back because it would be awesome. So I learned um, that... Spalding, when he leaves baseball and he goes to become, you know, the like sports good magnate, convinced all the owners for a brief time that rather than teams wearing individual matching jerseys to designate which team they were on, each individual position should have a specific outfit for their position. And so for a time, um, this is what they wore oh, on one yeah. team. That is spectacular. So for the edification of the listener, I don't know, Jesse, do you want to try and explain it? Uh, so it's like, it, it looks like it could be the, the, the photo of the jockeys assembled for the, uh, 1888 Kentucky Derby. Uh, yeah, these guys yeah, are, the stripes especially are are very lovely, jockey. lovely stripes with um wide collars, flared out uh and, and tab collars if they'd been invented, uh kind of thing. Big belts, uh, not necessarily big belt buckles, but but big honking belts, um. Most and of all the shirts are button-up collared mm-hmm. too. Yeah, it's um, a, it's a look. It it's, it's so it really good. is the jockey silks without the, the uh, without the yeah. The red and white stripes are also like giving me carnival barker very much. Yeah, in like a in a very in a very good like uh, well costumed production of carousel kind of situation. I. Love this. I think this would be so amazing. There's a the some incredible quote from a newspaper in the like brief period of time that they tried this. 
that the reporter was like they looked like ugly flowers in like a dutch garden <laughs> and they were like it didn't it only lasted for like two months they were like this is like unwatchable <laughs> we have no idea what's going on out there <laughs> that's i'm i'm surprised by that because it's not like you remember that year the thing that i've always loved about baseball and we we we're so unhappy with it last year when they took away the uh, every they made everybody wear the same uniforms in the All Star game. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's okay in okay. baseball when when you wear like at least you're wearing the same this the different colors. I can see like that that looks a little discombobulating, but like everyone's wearing their whites or everyone's wearing their grays. It's fine if they've got a little bit of different uh, coloring going on. But what I think of as the biggest disaster was the year that the NBA was like, we're going to do the baseball thing and have everybody wear their regular jerseys. So it was like one oh, team flashing no. whites, including like, I think it was like Orlando magic pinstripes or something. Um, and then like the full rainbow of the Western conference. <laughs> and it was just, it was hideous. Uh, and they abandoned it rather quickly to go back to the, actual all-star uniforms that are uh in the reverse of baseball one of the cooler things is that they have the nba all-star jerseys and they're they're different every year yeah it it's unfortunate that uh major league baseball does such a consistently terrible job of doing anything interesting with those all-star uniforms the only one that i remember being interesting in recent years was in like 20, gosh, it must have been 2011 when it was in Arizona. And those were hideous. They were just ugly as sin, but they were interesting at least because they had like the some snake, patter, snake skin patterns and stuff. But like otherwise, they're just atrociously boring. Let me see if this is... Uh... I do want a team to bring that green color back, though, because I loved that one, and that guy was wearing a matching belt. Oh, yeah. One of these yeah. guys in it's green. A good color. It's a very beautiful color. So it's a lovely I, color. I just was like, I would absolutely love to see our Mets in these looks. <laughs> The Mets in perfect, perfect. In I, I like the idea. The Rays have done this a few times, um, going for the the retro, the faux back look, because the Rays didn't exist before nineteen ninety eight. Like they'll do a seventies night and like wear something that looks like a, a a version of the San Diego Padres uh, <laughs> uniforms of the time, except they'll be you know, aqua and. Uh, and gold. I was trying to trying to remember and, and looking on my phone while we were talking about this. I remember a story about a football league um, that had like color coded. I can't remember if it was socks or jerseys by position. Obviously, like if you go to a football practice, the quarterback is usually wearing a different color jersey that lets you know not to hit them. <laughs> right. Um, Don't murder your own quarterback. Yeah. Hockey's pretty cool too because they'll wear uh, they'll wear jerseys based on like what line they're on. 
it's like there's like three guys in green, three in mm-hmm. blue, three in yellow, three in black, and then the defenders will be wearing another color all together. The goalies get their own jerseys. Poor goalies. When I they do skating drills. Okay, I do love in soccer too that the goalies wear a different colored jersey and I love that most of the time it's like the most egregious neon color possible. Oh yeah, it's just like <laughs> a human highlighter in the best way. There is a good reason for that, which is uh so that no matter who they are playing against, they will clash. Well, yeah, that seems to be they always clash horribly with their own. You yeah, know, they got to clash team, with their own. So. Also, got to clash with the other, which has to clash with the original team too, because they're playing against each other. Right. And this is the kind of thing that you see um, in some way, I'm sure, on the Formula One circuit. Uh, yeah, let's let's go with that. Uh, Charles Leclerc is out there. Uh, driving a Ferrari that is on fire while uh, Carlos Sainz is driving a Ferrari that is merely um, falling apart at the axles. Uh, That is the key difference uh, between uh, the Ferraris. That's how you can tell Brit is already... uh, We we love our our dear Ferrari, uh, but we, we also have gone into this. And again, thank you, Brit, for bringing us into this eyes wide open. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. We are getting <laughs> these, uh, with these lovely uh, Charles's in red, and and so what what we have done here last week uh, we we went through the field and um, did a really great job narrowing down to um, eight drivers who uh, we liked so much. We're a friendly bunch. Our top eight, and Our like five eight. of them got perfect scores. <laughs> Because we were like, yes, we like your name. Yes, we like where you're from. <laughs> Five years in the league. Also the approach <laughs> with Formula One uh, when I first started getting into it. So I'm I'm not gonna not gonna disagree yeah. with that strategy. I'm just it's gonna be also, honest. I do legitimately feel invested in F1. I like realized I missed the race, and I was like a little disappointed. I like looked up who had actually like placed and where, and I cared, and I recognized names. Like it worked. I'm kind of excited. Oh yeah it it is it is a sport that is very specifically designed to just be catnip. Like it it can get you so fast, and I think part of it's because. Okay. there's not a ton of people or a ton of teams to keep track of. Like it's 10 teams and two drivers each. And then, you know, assorted, assorted hangers on and team principals and whatever. So it's like, it's a, it's a much more uh, manageable cast of characters to like wrap your head around than like all of baseball. That's a good point. Um, do you, should, should I watch that Netflix show? And if yeah. so, should, so, should I watch all the seasons? Yeah. Okay. It it doesn't actually take that long to watch. They're not they're fairly short episodes, and they're not super long seasons. But yes, it will take you uh, on an emotional journey with Daniel Ricardo. And okay. The, I'll do the it. other assorted miscreants. And after and we'll, I finish we'll twenty four hours of Ken Burns baseball, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure that. You could watch all of the episodes of Drive to Survive and Lust of that. I'm pretty sure. Or maybe not. Pretty close, maybe. So, 
what we have done here is, is we've taken the eight guys that we uh, set our sights on last week as our favorites, our, our ones to watch in Formula One. Our Formula Ones to watch. Hey. With, uh, something better than that. Uh, so we have uh, eight drivers. And to narrow it down further, figure out who we really like here, we know that we don't really like, uh, and we'll get to, you know, we talked about Max last week. Um, each of each of my co-hosts here has taken uh, two or three drivers uh, that they have uh, delved into some of the, uh, the details of their lives so that we can uh, make a really good, an informed choice about which drivers are really uh, Willits Pods uh, drivers to survivors. Um, also terrible this year. We'll we'll work on it. I'll keep thinking and and let uh, my wonderful co-hosts talk because they've they've put this together. And uh, I guess we might as well start with the uh, the winner of the first race of the season, the, the Grand Prix of Bahrain. Um, and and that winner was Crystal. Yes, Crystal, congratulations on being atop the Formula One World Driver Championship standings after one race. Thank um, you. Let's see. Well, that would be uh, that would be the number one. The, the Red Bull. We'll get him out of the way since since he's not actually one that we like, uh, but we do find that he is the perfect heel. The Dutchman, Max Verstappen. All right, let's get into Max. I took so many notes. Please just just bear with us. Okay, so Max, he was born September 30th of 97. Mm -hmm. That makes him a Libra. (laughs) Libra men, I have more to say about this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, His moon sign is Virgo. Virgo men, I have a lot to say about them. Mm-hmm. And his rising, and this is a very common theme in these people I picked. I have a lot of Scorpio in all of these charts. Two of them are rising Scorpios, and I am also Scorpio rising. So this felt like fate. Okay. So the Scorpio rising part, he can be reserved on the outside while intense on the inside. Always a mystery with strong will and prone to mental battles within himself. His son in Libra, he needs to look at every angle of a situation before reaching an outcome. He is always debating things. Again, with son in Libra, he feels complete when he is in a relationship or on a team, but he is sensitive due to the, to the vibes. Very sensitive man. <laughs> And his moon in Virgo, he's careful and reserved about sharing his feelings. He loves helping people as long as it doesn't involve emotions. <laughs> so that is that is kind of Max in a nutshell based on his birth chart. What a freak. That is. That's. Yeah. I, I was. Um as somebody who knows very little about this, you know, I was reading my own chart for uh, the first time in, in any kind of detail this afternoon. Um, I was struck by um, whoever came up with uh, astrology really seemed to kind of have it in for Libras. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Libra description. Your, 
Okay. Everybody oh my God, Jesse. That's funny. That's a really funny take on astrology. <laughs> yourself. Um, I do think that Libra men, not to have it out for Libras, I do think Libra men are deeply untrustworthy most of the time. Yeah. Do we have I mean, any others uh, in the mix here? Um, now I have to check my notes. Yeah, I was about to say, I've got Lewis Hamilton and Esteban. Wait, was your question, do we have any more? Yeah. Yeah, we have Charles fucking Leclerc, folks. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, I just we left. each did at least three. The yin to Max's yang, perhaps? I just want to start this uh, by saying that I I will love Charles, regardless of what disaster area <laughs> his chart looks like. Okay, so just... Crystal, Max was a Scorpio rising, a Virgo moon, and a Libra sun, right? Yes, that's him. So Charles Leclerc literally feels like his, like, you know, the angel on the other shoulder. He has his son in Libra, his moon in Aries, and his rising in Sagittarius. This is a man who wants to do powdered drugs. (laughs) Oh, I, I hate it. And it makes so much sense. I complete. That's exactly how I feel. Um, so one thing that CoStar says about Aries Moon, which I will say I'm probably reading the fuck out of myself right now because well, I'm, I'm an I'm Aries, also moon. Aries Moon. Well, okay. I, it I, says I you're an Aries Moon too? Yeah. <gasps> wow. Okay, well, this is sorry to read everyone through Charles right now. Wow. All you have the a tendency. Aries moons. You have a tendency to feel inadequate and overcompensate just because failure is a possibility. Ow. That, yeah, that was painful, but okay, go yeah, on. Sorry, yeah, guys. I'm sorry, therapy was earlier in the week today. <sighs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, I feel like this makes, like, perfect sense yeah. for my sexy king. Um. This is a very this is a very fun chart. Like this is a this is a person that I'm that I would love to go dancing with. And I would not and I and if they were like, "Hey, like do you want to, you know, go into business together?" I'd be like, "No." <laughs> no, I, yeah, under no circumstances. No. That is yeah. That's like that's that's the person you want to be friends with and not roommates with cuz like you don't want to have to be yes. together. Yes, I completely agree. You want to um, be on I, his yacht when the Grand Prix of Monaco comes. Like that's the dude whose whose yacht you want to get to. Yeah. So exactly, exactly. Um, do we have any other Libra men? I don't. Okay. I don't. And we have no women because uh, that's just how Formula One is. These these are all men. But I will yeah. say, uh, all men. Plug, plug to the new Formula One Academy program, though, that um, Total Wolf Spike Susie is run, heading up for the FIA. That is 
bringing bringing some some talented young women drivers in and with the intention that theoretically they can get them into like F2 and at some point have something vaguely sort of resembling gender parity. So. How many Fs are there? There are four. There's four Fs? I didn't yeah, know there I, was more than one. I didn't know that either. I knew yeah, there was so a two like, and I knew that there was E. Because they had a, a Formula E oh, race in Brooklyn. Yeah, Formula Formula E is like its own thing, but there is cross. Like some people will drive in both, but yeah, I mean it's essentially like a minor league system that you'll have the young. You know, these guys start driving carts when they're little kids, and then go through F four, F three, F two, and then into F one. Yeah, NASCAR has uh, similarly like ARCA, then the trucks, then the. Xfinity and then the Cup Series, which I'm still weirded out that they have not gotten a name on the Cup Series since it stopped being Sprint. That's weird. Yeah, that is weird. Like, I thought that Winston was, like, until they, like, stopped making Winston be the Cup sponsor, I thought that Winston was just a person that was named after because it was so synonymous with NASCAR. Right, right. Okay, Britt, I want it. Who do you have? I want to hear one of yours. Well, I feel like okay. it's just round robin. Oh, well, Jesse, here. did you want to say something? I, I have a question here. And, you know, since we're t- talking about Winston cigarettes, and obviously there's also a history of uh, cigarette advertising in Formula One. Um, you look at those old clips with like uh, Jacques Villeneuve driving a player's car, which again, I had no idea was a cigarette until I saw it in Canada. And, um, that's great. Uh, which of these six drivers that we have remaining, uh, Yuki Tsunoda, Terry Bodas, Esteban, Sir Luis, Carlos, and Pierre, uh, who do we think is the most likely to smoke cigarettes? Like, Charles? Like, like routinely or like. I was yeah. going to say Charles definitely gets out, like... of, gets out of the car and is like, I got to I got to get a butt. I mean, I think Charles European. is like a party smoker. Right. Um, also, you know, Valtteri uh, has probably smoked everything that you can smoke at some point in his life. Oh yeah, and he's Finnish. Right. They're okay, they're, so, so they're free. Uh, Too cold. They've got nothing else to do. Do Do we want to take Terry Bodas then? I have Terry. Should I dive in? Let's go. He's fun. Okay, so his chart honestly made me like respect him more. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of okay. crazy. So he's a Virgo. I really like Virgos. I really respect the Virgos in my life. You know, I I see Crystal shaking her head vociferously. But I um I mean like they're a lot, right? But they they have their shit together. Um which I wasn't expecting from him <laughs> honestly. Um so then his moon is in Leo, which I obviously love and makes perfect sense. Yeah, that that totally tracks. And then his ascendant, that's your rising sign, is in Libra. Interesting. Yeah. 
Uh, so what is his like? I don't really know like what his. I think he obviously seems like funny to me, but like, what's his reputation and vibe? I mean, he's very like. He's just like a little chaotic, like in a good way, but he's just like a little chaotic. Like he's that's the Leo Moon, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. the Libra rising, yeah, and the Finland, I mean, he, he, and the Finland, he, yeah, and, yeah, and, and the Scandinavian. Um, yeah, he's just sort of very, very like does what he wants and does not always want to like follow orders necessarily. Which is very Leo, but very not Virgo, which is always sort of an interesting. I actually know. I actually know two beloved Virgo friends of mine who have Leo moons. It's a very interesting. Actually, three. It's a very prominent placement for some reason. And those people. Because I was, again, reading this earlier, the it said that, like, the rising sign changes every two hours. Yeah, I think that CoStar is making an estimate because we don't have the birth times for these people. I actually yeah, meant we, to say that because I, I don't know how they're making the rising sign estimates. But sun and moon, you don't need the birth time for. You just need date and place. How does the moon sign work? Like, I know the sun sign, there's, you know, all year long, you're born, like, but between the 21st and the 22nd and the 21st and the 22nd and the next month, you're whatever sign you are. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. A lot of the time it's less uh, with the other placements. It's less about like, um, the like cycle of the amount. I mean, I mean, they all are an amount of time, but they're kind of about like the, placement in the sky as well um so that's why the place you're born matters yeah it's it's where the moon was at the moment of your birth and it's uh it's the soul of your identity so the most subconscious part of yourself that you might keep hidden from others and makes up a big part of your emotional side as what a quick little a Google search did. Now, what happens if you're born in the Southern Hemisphere and you have different uh, constellations above? This is very basic astrology stuff, and I could probably Google it myself. No, uh, I honestly have no idea. Yeah, that one I don't know. Well, there's actually different sort of strategies, or I don't, I don't know what the actual word that you would use to be in astrology that some of them are some originated in the northern hemisphere and there are other versions that originated in other parts of the world that I would I imagine compensate for that I don't know exactly what the how that breaks down but there are there's there's sort of multiple ways to wait more than one way to to skin a cat as they say so we're ignoring half of the universe just willfully. Yeah. Yeah. One time, one of my friends, one of these Virgo Sun Leo moons in question, got um a little stoned and asked me a question that has haunted me for a really long time, which is in the future, when we have human beings born in space, how will we give them astrology? Will it not make like you know, if we have a, a child born on a spaceship, you know, can we apply our earthly astrology 
to that child's, you know, psyche and chart. And that has really disturbed me. I've wondered how we could have, you know, astrology for space babies. I mean, we, might, we, might, have, we might need Allison for that question, though. <laughs> if you have good stellar cartography, um, it should be presumably doable with enough computer algorithms to, you know, to give you the maps of what the constellations would be. And really, you know, with that kind of, if you're developing the kind of technology to be able to have babies being born in space, I think that you have the technology to observe the universe in a more meaningful way than what our, um, oh, we have a hemisphere that we can look from um, at only like the visible through telescope. Like, who who knows? Like, what is the cosmic microwave background telling us about astrology? And wouldn't that be all? what it goes back to um wow this could be a question for uh the academics and in, in say uh oxford and cambridge and somebody who might have uh, uh some expertise and some connections there is uh uh the knighted uh, sir lewis hamilton which we go back to crystal to find out more about him okay so his chart was my favorite of the three that i pulled i feel like this honestly gave me a lot more insight into him. So he is a Capricorn and I love, wow. I love Capricorn. His moon is in cancer and his rising. Wow. Guessed it. Scorpio. Wow. This is an incredible chart. And he has, he has a lot of Scorpio throughout his chart. Like his Pluto was in Scorpio and so with that moon and cancer, Pluto and Scorpio thing, that is just a sign of his rulership. Like he's kind of, you know, the top dog. And uh, he was also born during a full moon. So that kind of provides. Uh, I'm so jealous. Right? <laughs> that provides fulfillment, illumination, and experience. Uh, his Capricorn son, that means he's known for peace, ambition, and patience. And uh, allows him to give maximum effort into his chosen path. Uh, his Cancer Moon, as a man, he relies on others to do what is necessary, and he's prone to emotional fluctuations. And then that Scorpio rising again, he's always fighting against the dark and destructive power in his life. So, again, prone to depression, mood swings, things like that. So, that is my little Capricorn baby Lewis. That is a chart that I respect deeply and fear. Right? Yes. It's kind of funny though, because like my daughter, her son is a Capricorn and my son, his son is a moon or bleh, his son is cancer. <laughs> so I felt like everybody was just represented in that chart. But yeah, um, a lot of outbreaks really that he's got, but he's good. That's really his breakdown, which seems um, right. I feel like he's always kind of the first to speak up on injustices. Did he ever get a kindergarten board? Asked. 
did, did he ever get a board or did they just discriminate no, against I him? I never saw it once, so they may not. He may not have gotten one, but again. I never saw one. That's Luke so Hamilton, weird of them. He was probably off doing other media stuff or something when he did it. Or cranky. Mm-hmm. Or, or cranky. Not his sign. Yeah, busy, yeah. busy yelling at Toto for their car being shit or something. Well, you know, what? that's what you get after uh, long enough of being a British guy driving a fucking Mercedes. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> sergeant just coming up on him, tapping his wheel, being like, I don't know whether to tell you fuck you for driving a German car or for being British. <laughs> Get that. Oh, get more Florida out there. Uh, Florida just reminded me of that terrible child who got like zero points from Florida, who was this Look, year representing like, USA. Yes. Logan Sargent. Logan Sargent. Yeah. Uh, he, did, he, you know, I will say though, he raced really well last weekend. I give him a lot of credit for that because uh, the Williams car is not. It looks much better than it has in previous years, but like they're not world beaters by any stretch of the imagination. So, uh, looking competent in his first race in a moderately shit car is fairly impressive. I will say, with his his horrifically low score from us uh, last week, based on his kindergarten board, I think there's still a lot of heel potential there. Like, oh yeah. We embrace, like, if Max, if we, like, we did have some knowledge that, like, Max was Max. And, like, to be able, if if we didn't know, like, oh, this guy's really fucking good, he would have come off. Oh, I would have hated that board if I didn't know that he was really good. I would have been like, this guy thinks he's all that. He fucking sucks. He's not above the board. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, did I discriminate against him because he was from Florida? Yes. My partner's from Florida. I love Florida. (sighs) I will say, not only is he from Florida, but he's the grandson of an oil baron from Florida. Like, it's really, it's like, it's like 90s, 80s, 90s T-movie villain stuff. That's crazy. Yeah. And I, okay, I... Okay, who do you have, Britt? Britt has... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, you, you asked her. Oh, I, was going, I, have... I was about to say, uh, Britt, you had two to choose from here. Um, and I wanted to know which one was the more um, 80s movie villain type uh, between these two guys. Oh, that's a very good question. Um, I mean, I have to say that of the two sides, Pierre Gasly and Carlos Sainz, and I have a hard time seeing Carlos as like a movie villain. Not that I have a particularly easy time seeing Pierre as one, but I feel like he could get there. I don't know if Carlos could the same way. Okay. Well, that's good, because we liked both of these guys, so that's that's good vibes, I think, that they don't come off necessarily as villains. I, I love them both dearly. Um, which which one of them is more Florida, though? Oh, which one of them is more Florida? Pierre, for sure. 
Where Florida Gasly? All right, so let's do Pierre. So Pierre, um, Pierre, Pierre is a is an Aquarius baby. Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and this is this is the part that I I found particularly interesting. He's a Aquarius sun and a Virgo moon, which just feels very accurate to me in a mildly terrifying way. Like, yeah, that's kind of scary. Yeah, like that combination of being like a little chaotic, but also like very detail oriented and very focused and very like um analytical and just like that the virgo element of it combined with the whole aquarius mystique of like fuck convention and like i'm gonna do what i want and like that craziness and and i feel like that's just that's how the whole thing tracks because if you think about it like you have to be to be just generally to be successful in that as a race driver. You have to be slightly insane and also hyper competitive and meticulous. Like it very much requires a weird combination of those two things. So, just like broadly speaking, it makes sense. And Pierre also has just like a very. Um, sort of a chaotic style on the track he's a little he's a little crazy um and also just has a, a it's like weirdly a magnet for just weird stuff happening and like just kind of inexplicable like good and bad either way like he's just been in the middle of a lot of strange happenings. okay what was did did he have a rising to mm. go with that? At, well, the estimate, obviously, again, this is all very uh, slightly guesswork in this regard. But but Leo, which again, okay. not love track. that crazy, love that for him. That's and and the Leo one, like that that was another one that stood out. Um, what I got from that is the people who made up astrology were like. Uh, you think you're the shit, huh? Yes, we do. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. And I will say, uh, importantly, for points of comparison, like Pierre and Charles have been friends for like their entire lives and are very, very close. And yeah, that tracks when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, I could see that with those two charts. How do they know each other for their entire like, yeah, it's all nepotism, isn't it? So you have to remember that <clears throat> these guys start start competitive racing when they're in elementary school. Like they're they are doing the racing equivalent of travel travel baseball from the time they're little little kids. And it's Europe; all the countries are kind of next to each other. So even the ones like the majority of the grid right now have all known each other since they were kids. Pierre, Charles, Lando Norris, um, Alice Albon, Esteban Ocon. He was even, Esteban and Pierre were even talking about how they've known each other since they were like eight and 10 years old or something during their like, I think it was during the livery unveiling before the season started. So it's a very funny, like, even though you're talking about guys who are from different countries 
all of, and Max too, like they all came up together and because they've, it's such a small community and they've been doing it competitively for so long, they've known each other since they were little kids. And then you add on to it the fact that it is a, a sport rife with nepotism. So most of these guys, their families were also involved in racing. So like Max Verstappen grew, was, <clears throat> they were showing pictures of, I think it was during, in the last season of Drive to Survive, of him and Mick Schumacher with Michael Schumacher on like a family vacation together because of course. Michael and Max's father, Josh Verstappen, were team, you know, colleagues, friends when they were, so they would go on family vacations together and stuff with, when, when Mick and Max and Mick's sister, Gina, were all kids. So it's very like, it's an extra level, like layer of the hysterical drama of it all, that there's so much interpersonal shit layered on top of it, that like, not only are they kind of in combined spaces and they're competing against each other very one-on-one all of the time, they've been competing against each other and have family connections and all of this going back to the time that they were little, little kids. I want to go back and, and do this uh, exercise. I, I don't know if this is something that we would necessarily do on another show because I don't think that we will care about it as much because it's just not as interesting. And I love NASCAR. Um, but I found myself like watching this past weekend and thinking like, I cannot personally, like if, if you had particular to the Hendrick motorsports, uh, race team, Kyle Larson, Alex Bowman and William Byron might as well all be the same person to me. I do not know who any of them are like individually. They are all just the drivers for the really dominant team. One of them is either first or second every single week. And they are all just fucking zeros personality wise. Like it is, they spent like, I get it. They're like part of this generation of race car drivers, especially in NASCAR who spend like all of their time in the racing simulator, doing the eye racing, playing, you know, not playing, working the video game. Um, and there is just, uh, they're, they're gamers. They're gamers. They're not, they're not car guys. Like, Dale Earnhardt uh, Jr., like, still on his, uh, his Twitter bio, I think, is like, retired mechanic mooresville garage or, or whatever whatever it was that he said because like but like that was the thing is like he was a he, and and like he and, and obviously his dad um and there's still a strain of it there's still a strain of those like i'm really into cars and like the mechanics of cars and then like i want to make the, i want to help build this car and make it go fucking fast um as opposed to like I don't want to be like these kids because like it's just it's just different, but like it attracts a different sort of person, which is instead of a guy who likes to 
uh, you know, be covered and, you know, wearing coveralls and, and oil and, uh, being real sexy and, uh, with, with mustaches and stuff to <laughs> like the inside of a NASCAR. I feel like now it smells like fucking ax body spray. And that's a problem to me. Um, oh my God. Whereas the inside of a formula one car, I think smells like an extremely expensive, uh, European, uh, men's parfum. And, uh, and potentially and, something co-branded by Ferrari or something. <laughs> I do Speaking agree. <laughs> I don't know anything about. I I'm ready for the next Ferrari horoscope moment. Um, <laughs> oh god! But I just have to say, I completely agree. I don't know anything. I don't know anything about NASCAR, like nothing. And this is the most I've ever known about F1. And again, I missed the race last weekend. Let me be clear. <laughs> um. But I have always had the sense NASCAR is boring, F1 is sexy and fun. I think that's mm. – I think that's a very uh, – it really emanates – F1 really emanates a cool vibe. Well, I mean, and I think it's – I think part of it is when you think about it too is the target audience, right? That Formula One's gotten really, really popular just sort of broadly – and, you know, and I shouldn't say gotten, has gotten in the States recently, but has been, you know, in Europe and, and other elsewhere in the world for a long time. But its its biggest real target is very, very, very wealthy people, mostly European people with a lot of money. And they, the races are held in these absurdly glamorous, like one of the, there's a reason that one of the most iconic races on the schedule is in Monaco. Like Monaco and places like Bahrain and, um, you know, they, they go places like Azerbaijan that nobody else goes to Azerbaijan, but there's some really rich dude in Azerbaijan who's like, hey, I'll give you a shit ton of money to come have a race here. Like, it's just really sort of wild and like, very much its own thing in that way. Like it's just very different than a lot of other sports, even other racing sports that way. I appreciate that they don't even try to pretend to care <laughs> no. about like, sports watching stuff. Like, no, no. like yeah, no, their money goes into our account the same as anybody else's. We're right. racing goddamn cars. We are right. actively incinerating everything around us. We are evil here. We're not going to try to act like we're not. Like, fucking come on. You just like to watch the cars go fast. The so, funny thing is, though, yeah. that, that they, over the past couple of years, I think probably re relative to the fact that it has gotten more exposure, especially in the States, they have kind of tried to to nod at some of it. Like, they have a net zero by... 2040 or 2050 initiative and they no. have said a lot of the I should say they've said some of the right things but yeah fundamentally they're supposed to spend every year going to Azerbaijan and Saudi Arabia and they're net zero by 2040 because we have money too yeah basically <laughs> basically and it's really and it's, it's an interesting contrast because you've got Drivers who I think 
probably very virtue of the fact that they're our age or younger, sometimes much younger in some cases. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's just been a generational shift that way that there are a lot of drivers who are really, they have seems to at least have a sort of a decent sense of like what's going on in the world. But uh, powers that be don't like that as much. And um, Sebastian Vettel, who retired last year, was very mouthy in the best way, very opinionated um, about all of the things that they should have been doing that they weren't. And he, you know, made sure that he very pointedly was wearing a rainbow like pattern shirt and rainbow mask when they were in Hungary and has all sorts of charity initiatives for like environmental causes and things like that. He retired and they were like, mm, no, we're now that he's gone and this person who won a lot of championships and was hugely beloved by everyone in the sport, now that he's out of our hair, okay, we don't have to put up with you all getting getting real mouthy and opinionated about shit anymore. And that was when they came out earlier this year and said, oh, actually, no, you're not allowed to like talk about things anymore. Well, as a baseball fan, uh, yeah. Wait, what you say, Jesse? I was like, and that's why Lewis Hamilton doesn't have a kindergarten board. Well, yeah. I was just gonna make a sarcastic joke about how you know we don't have any of that in baseball. So <laughs> no, totally. Right. The, I mean, the the thing with Formula One for me is that it's basically all of the things I love and hate about every other sport just like turned up to eleven. Like, it's just that much more dramatic and that much more chaotic. And the personalities are kind of that much bigger in some ways. And it is also like that much more full of uh, shameless rich people. <laughs> it is yeah. it, I, right. It, those are all fun things in sports, really. Okay, right. so I'm ready for Carlos. Oh, yes. Okay, here. Car- Carlos, I love Carlos. So Carlos, Carlos is a Virgo with a Cancer moon and a Libra rising. Which, wow. Um, it, I feel like that that compared with Charles is like the perfect explanation of the Ferrari team dynamic. That um, Carlos is like the reasonable one, the smooth one. He's the one who's not probably probably question mark going to fling the car into a barrier but like he's not charles either like charles is always going to have he's got a little bit more flash on him and he's just like a higher higher ceiling lower floor kind of proposition (laughs) that carlos is like your perfect number two and i and I mean that like in a complimentary way, like he is going to show up and he is going to give you a predictable, reasonable result that doesn't really piss people off. And Charles is either going to win or he's going to have his car explode. And, and that, and that is Ferrari <laughs> right there in a nutshell. Oh, it all makes me just love Charles more and more. <laughs> Also, there is so much cancer in and Virgo in 
Carlos's chart, and it's just very wow. Funny. There's um, as you describe that, and I don't know, you know, what this means for Charles. Um, the way that you describe Carlos just now kind of gave me an Andy Pitt vibe. The way that he used to always uh, like the Yankees would like, yeah, lose game one to Minnesota. And then be like, oh, we got to go to Andy Pettit. And, like, of course, they would, because it was the Twins, the Twins would shit all over themselves in various ways. But, like, every single time, it was like, oh, Andy Pettit, here he comes to bail the Yankees out again with six innings while they score 17 runs against Aaron Seeley or some shit. Right. And, yeah, that's a very good cop. My immediate first thought, too, was, like, Tim Lincecum and Matt Cain, sort of at the peaks of their careers, that – Matt Cade would walk out there and he knew what you were going to get. And he was a master of his craft and was just going to do it. And be very sort of workmanlike, businesslike about it. And Timmy was going to go out and be chaos in human form and probably do amazing or occasionally was going to walk the ballpark, essentially. And it was just always a little, and and the whole Tim Lissigum thing of like, just the chaos of like his career arc and like coming out of the bullpen in Cincinnati in 2012 and all of that. Like, it's just very, just a, just very different approaches to the same end goal. And there was always that risk that, uh, especially in San Francisco, if a stiff breeze occurred, uh, <laughs> You might lose Tim Lincecum. Yeah, yeah. He he might get swept into the outfield like a paper napkin. How I, that I I watch sometimes like he'll come up on you know gifts of whatever. Uh, I still do not understand how his body made baseballs do that. Um, I guess. After a while, it didn't. Yeah, um, I mean, I would say I think his body didn't know at a certain point either. That's part of. Yeah. Uh, man, that was that was fun. Um, Tim Lincecum, baseball player, which is very much the like uh, live fast, die only look good looking corpse. And I, you know what? I can't be mad at that. Like, yes, of course, I would have loved him to have a career decades longer than it was, but. Like the dude won Keith Young, all star appearances, World Series, changed the face of that franchise. I paid to watch him specifically pitch a right. game in New York. He was right. pitching. Like, I was like, I'm going to go watch this because Tim Lincecum's pitching. He's right. one of my all time favorites. I mean, Timmy Day was an event for a reason. Like, just there's there's very few other pitchers who have ever that I've watched at least who have ever sort of gotten to that like speaking of which it was Harvey Day today. Was it? Yeah, for for Italy. For Italy. And they beat oh. Cuba in extra innings. Hey. Well, Matt Harvey pitching for it, noted Italian Matt Harvey. Noted Italian Matt Harvey. Noted Italian Matt Harvey. <laughs> He's at least a little Italian, like everyone, every other white person in the, in the tri-state area. Yeah, 
He's uh, he's white and he's uh, been in the tunnel. So uh... <laughs> look, those WBC uh, qualifying rules get real loose at a certain point. I yeah, Israel playing against the Nationals was a little on the nose. Um, oh my god! Uh, matchups go. Uh. Was, uh, I I really enjoyed that. This one, just the number of uh, like somebody at Major League Baseball was having a good time when they were like, "All right, and Great Britain's going to play the Royals." Um, right. That, that whole schedule today was not a mistake. Right. Um, okay, we have Esteban and Yuki left, right? Yes. Yes. So we've got... oh, Who so do we want to do first? Oh, I love them both. I'm so excited, but I'm desperate to know about Yuki. Okay, so I would first like you to tell me a little bit about Yuki. <laughs> um, I, I know I say this a lot because they're all very chaotic, but Yuki is truly the most chaotic human I have possibly ever laid eyes on. Um, Why? Oh, my God. Because he... <laughs> He's just like, he drives like a maniac and he swears up a storm and just like finds himself. He he openly talks about how he hates working out and like doesn't want to do it. And the trainer's like, come on, don't you feel better? And he's like, no, I hate it. It's just like, (laughs) (laughs) there's uh, a particularly good race audio moment of them, his his race engineer trying to give him some feedback. He's like, I know, I know, shut up. <laughs> just like, yeah, look at him. He's just like, he's not, he's bonkers. He's also um, like my height, which I just respect the hell out of. Wait, how tall are you? He, I'm 5'4". I think he's like right around the same height. He's little. Which just so, makes him, He's just tidy and angry, and I love that. So he has one of the craziest charts I've ever seen in my entire fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> so his son is in taurus which as a taurus rising i love his moon is in leo his rising is in leo and almost every other placement on his chart i'm not exaggerating almost every other single one is in taurus it's the most balance chart i've ever seen in my entire life it makes so much sense that he refuses to work out i love that for him yeah that is Um, this is just such an unbelievably unbalanced chart it's so crazy with these two giant flashes of fire oh his song his hype song his hype song um he's so funny I mean, it's this is just this is wild. Um, I will say, I like I said, I love being a Taurus rising. Do you guys have any Taurus placements? I don't. I do. I do generally get along really well with Taurus. So. My partner. Wow, that's so beautiful. Uh, Taurus women are so wonderful. Taurus men are usually toxic, though. <laughs> my dad's a Taurus moon, so I'm or my, a, tor- a Taurus male, so I'm going to refuse to uh, to comment. Um. Yes, yeah, so that was just crazy. I was just like, this person's 
wild. Yeah. It's a wild chart. I love him. I love him more than ever for this. Um, I'm all in for Yuki. Yeah, he is, he is a delight. And um, if you like him already, you absolutely have to watch the most the most recent and the season season of Dr. Survive and the season before that, particularly. Okay. He's, I'll do he's, it. He's extremely funny, and I love his... His friendship with Pierre Gasly has been extremely funny. And also just, like, very sweet, though. Like, when, when they announced that Pierre was leaving for Alpine this year, it was very, like... Yuki was, like, joking, but he was obviously also, like, you're going to still be friends with me, right? Like, he was obviously very, like, concerned about it. It was very very sweet. I I will say he was, oh, he was just fully born in the the year 2000. That, like, fucked even me up a little bit. I know. I know. He's such a baby. And he's also, like, not the youngest one on the grid now, I'm pretty sure, which is wild. Yeah, I think we found like a nineteen-year-old yeah, when we were doing the kindergarten boards. We were very angry about that. Yeah, has it Oscar- already vanished that child from my memory? Nick DeVries or Oscar Piastri? I can't remember which one of them is younger. I think it was Nick. We hated him. <laughs> no, Nick DeVries. Nick DeVries is like a normal human age. Uh, hmm. so it must have been Oscar. I don't remember. Still hateable. Yeah, because yeah, Oscar was a, a rookie. Oscar's 21. Who else would be? Now I'm like running out of, is it Logan? Well, we've got Esteban still to go. So, uh, Crystal, what, what, what do we know about Esteban? Yeah. Tell me about Esty Bestie. So, uh, he's got a lot of fire placements in his chart. I'll just start by saying that he is a Virgo man. I've shared my thing <laughs> for Virgo men already here on this podcast. His moon, though, is Scorpio, and his rising sign is a Leo. Waiting for Addie to be excited about that. I'm uh, excited about that. But yeah, so like I said, he's very fire dominant. That gives him a lot of energy. That gives him a lot of confidence. He's pretty cocky because he's got that Leo rising. Um what else did we say? Um, the lack of water signs in his chart show that he has difficulty opening up and sharing his emotions. Um, but he is concrete, efficient, and again, not emotional. And he prefers to play the role of a hardworking person instead of trying new things. But yeah, he's just one very cocky, confident individual. Sounds like it fits for a race car driver. Yeah. Well, and uh, this one's interesting because he is, he, he, he has a chip on his shoulder. And I think it's, I think it's softened a little bit over the past handful of years, but he's got a chip on his shoulder. And I can't say I blame him. I mean, the nature of the sport is fundamentally uh, to be successful at it, you almost have to have. Uh, either family or very, very close family friends or whatever in the sport already or an obscene amount of money or both. It's very hard to just like be a kid who decides you want to drive carts and, and get to this point. So 
as one of the very, very few people on the grid who comes from like a relatively normal family, <laughs> that there has always been. You know, I've just always, I've always gotten the impression from him that he is very aware of the fact that there is a difference there. And like there was, you know, there was uh, some drama when he was with Racing Point a handful of years ago now, it would have been 2018, that they were sort of deciding whether they were going to keep him or whether they were going to keep Chaco, Sergio Perez. and. He felt like, and I don't know how true this necessarily is, but he felt like, well, they kept Checo instead of him because uh, Checo has a benefactor who is the richest man in Mexico. And, you know, Esteban doesn't have anything like that. So he, and again, like, I don't know how true, how much that went into the decision-making of. Well, it's kind of like the, very 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 loosely like the whole thing about like oh is Nikola Jokic benefiting in the MVP conversation from the fact that he's white no he's having a historically amazing season but but also but also your point is valid it's just not applying as much as right well I don't maybe it would seem and Formula One is also just a weird beast that way because you straight up can buy yourself a job, like, like open, yeah, not even, not even yes. in like, a, <laughs> not even in like, a, oh, you're like, hey, nudge, nudge, I know a guy who knows a guy. No, like your dad can just straight up walk up and be like, I'll give you however many millions of dollars of you for your team if you let my son drive, and it's just a thing that happens, and everyone knows it happens. I mean, like, not not explicitly with any uh, current members of the grid that you could name right off the top of your head right now if you wanted to, right? Oh, no, no, of course not. No, no, not at all. Lance Stroll absolutely 100% uh, got his job on the, purely on the merits, on the not merits. on the fact that yep. his dad owns the team and bought the team out of conservatorship. Okay, uh, so we will forward to his interview in the pits with Jack Collinsworth. I I do have to say though, I do like Lance Stroll and I he he did a very impressive thing last week in that he had a really bad bike accident um a couple of weeks before the season and was almost definitely not going to be able to come back for last weekend's race and had pins put in his wrist because he broke both of his wrists and broke his toe and just like really beat himself up. And managed to work his work his tail off and get back in time for last week's race. So I I do have to give him props for that one, even if he is the Nepo baby to end all Nepo babies. So having gone through all of this, I think it, at least for me, it's done nothing. Um, and that's not to say uh, it's done nothing overall. It's it's been great overall, but it has done. Nothing to separate anything for me in terms of favorites. I love all of these boys, and I think that there's room um, in racing to root for them. And, you know, we'll we'll look forward to when they have uh, clashes with each other. We'll look forward to when they get along. We'll look forward to all the the drama that goes with blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. But I, I, we, we do have things that the, that the stars and the universe can tell us here. 
And the first thing that I would like to know is in all of your opinions, having, you know, star charted all of this out, um, which two drivers are most likely to kiss on the final day of the season? Like fall in love <laughs> and rom-com ending the F1 season. Okay. Well, falling Max, madly for each other. Max is very, he's the one that really feels complete in a relationship. So he's going to make out with somebody. Maybe multiple oh, people. That's an excellent question. Well, so Max does, he is nominally at least friends with a lot of the younger guys on the grid. Cause again, I they see all kind Max of and Charles making out. I mean, they are, they are friendly at least. Actually, it's really funny because when last season, particularly the first handful of races, when before Ferrari started stepping on all of their rakes and like, it was just very like lots of close races between uh, Charles and Max. Max made a comment about, oh, it's just, it's so much more fun racing against Tidworth. It was like kind of a dig at Lewis because they really do race hard against each other and get both of them get a little spicy. Uh, but it was just a very funny, like, no, we really like racing against each other. <laughs> yeah, they're going to kiss. <laughs> okay. I'd pay to see that, honestly. I mean, yeah, me like, too. Not now. Not now. As, as, yeah, and we've got a we've got a whole season to get through. Uh, you know, you've got a slow burn, uh, like so a Ferrari. When, when's the next race, and it where is, is it? It is this Sunday. Hold on, let me pull up. Let me pull up my calendar because I have it in my iCal like a fucking nerd. Um, Oh, I take it back. I'm sorry. It's next weekend. They are in Saudi Arabia next weekend. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> yay. Yeah. Formula One and WWE tearing it up with the Saudis. Oh, my God. But yeah. So um, qualifying is, I do like the race in Saudi, actually, because it is like a normal human time for me on the West Coast because it's at like 10 on Sunday morning and qualifying is at like 10 on Saturday morning, which is like a time that I am awake and doesn't require me setting an alarm for 6.30 in the morning to watch Ferrari shoot themselves in the dick. Well, on that note, <laughs> I can't wait. You know, he can DVR Ferrari shooting itself in the dick and just have Addy text you later. Oh, my God. Did you see what happened? And you'd be Sorry, like, no. everyone. <laughs> I managed to spoil the race for the chat without watching the race. I was like, I, Pretty amazing. I, I got up at the ass crack of Dodd and watched it live like a freak. So uh, I knew I, it happened already at that point, at least. I've become accustomed to... Um, like ESPN will just push alert fucking everything. Everything. Uh, yeah. And I don't work in sports anymore, so I probably don't need to have that. And I can certainly turn it off if like there's an F1 race that I'm going to plan to watch later. Um, that would probably be smart. A lot of different things that I could do. Yeah, you were right. We should have gotten out on that note, um, but we could also just get out with... Uh, at the Shishi Club, which uh, yeah, you you know what Yuki Tsunoda is my favorite for introducing me to and introducing us 
to the beauty, the valor, the splendor. This was Willard's Pod. It's a good episode. <laughs> Y'all should subscribe. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Addie and Crystal and Fred for being part of this. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to mix with Meet the Mess. So I'll just... <laughs> Meet the Mess. Meet the Mess. Also, don't want to get screwed by the Hentai Shinshi Club. Uh, buy their <laughs> records. Buy them in vinyl. Buy them on CD. Buy them digital. Uh, Hentai Shishi Shinshi Club. Um, oh, I will... They, they sing be... their name in the song, much like Jason Derulo. Uh, Huge that, uh, for us to get sued that. by them. I would love that. It would be amazing. It would be amazing. Instead of getting sued, Hentai Shinshi Club, uh, come on the show. Come on the pod. Oh, my God. And talk to us about Yuki Tsunoda um, and how he gets hyped up by listening to your song. Uh, so, yeah. I'm Jesse. That's Addie. That's Crystal. That's Britt. That's uh, the order in which they appear on my screen. Um not alphabetically that would be Addie, then Britt, then crystal um i'm jesse and uh i'm, I'm also last uh, last name wise on this so i will appear um much as has always been my dream uh last in the credits a la george Winton. cheers that's will's pod we'll see you next time <laughs> I can't, I can't the way the show ends.